welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zahner. I believe in the power of sharing our experiences and knowledge with others, and when we do, we are creating ripples of impact around us. Each week, get ready for intimate personal shares, honest, relatable conversations, aha moments, and so much more. This space was designed to create empowerment, inspiration, community, and provide guidance to elevate those around us. I am so excited to have you here. Get ready and let's start creating ripples. Hello and welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Zahner, and today's guest is Nina Kohler, who I had the opportunity of getting connected with through my friend Jenna, and I got to go on Nina's retreat that she held up on the North Shore, which if you are not from Minnesota, it's like one of the most beautiful places that makes you feel like you're not actually in Minnesota because there's this beautiful lake. We got to do some hiking and connecting and movement, and that was where I got to know Nina a little bit better and made me want to reach out to her to have her come on the podcast and share her story and talk about what inspired her to move into the teaching that she does and now creating retreats for people to go on and to get connected. And I'm very excited you're here, Nina. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I would love for you to just kind of start off by telling us a little bit about who you are and what led you into the path that you're now on? Yeah. Um, so I am the youngest of five kids. I grew up in St. Paul um, and I come from a really tight knit family and movement and the outdoors were kind of the two biggest ingredients to how we grew up. Um, my dad is a hilarious character of a human. And he started mountaineering when he was 16 years old. And so he would pack our van up every summer and bring us to the Canadian Rockies for like two weeks to a month. So I grew up in St. Paul, but then I would spend my summer is kind of in these really amazing remote places where we wouldn't see another human for two weeks. Um, so that informed kind of how we exist as a family. So I always spent a ton of time outdoors and I always spent a ton of time moving my body. So I was a dancer and an athlete growing up. Um, I danced ballet. I was in musicals. I was in soccer and track and field. It's like, it's a running joke in my family that whenever we would have a problem, we try to talk to my dad about it. And he's not the person to go to for problems. Like now he is when he's in his seventies, he's much more of a, a kind ear, but not when we were little. And the only thing he would ever ask is if you complained and told him your problem, <clears throat> he would stop and pause and then say, well, have you worked out yet today? Mm. <laughs> We're like, oh, <laughs> okay. And if it was no, he would say, you need to go work out. And if you still feel bad, you can talk to me after. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I love it. So, yeah, yeah. And so movement um, always was just a huge part of who I was. And I also grew up with a fear of heights, which was not a thing we could have in my family. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I started backpacking at five and we would backpack way up above tree line. And then we would mountaineer from there and like summit a few mountains and then go back into town and get food and go back out. Um, and I, 
before I knew the words around anxiety, I knew I had anxiety when we would get up high. Like I didn't know how to say what was happening, but I knew that I was scared. And so the way that I dealt with that was researching breath work and yoga and meditation. So I would go back to our house in St. Paul. And do you remember those dial up modems where like no one could pick up the phone because your connection would get caught? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would use my parents dial up modem and I would research like breathing exercises, uh, how to do a stun a like to the basics of mindfulness when I was seven, eight, nine years old. And and then I would utilize that up in the back country. And when we were way up high and I knew that it helped me, but mm -hmm. I didn't know really the language around what I was doing. So you fast forward to, I took kind of a weird route to college. I, when I graduated high school, I moved um, to the UK and lived in the UK until I totally ran out of money. <laughs> and my older sister had to fly me home. Bless her. Bless her heart. And then I went to the U and I created my own major there in music journalism and Italian. And there's not like a super clear career track for that. So when I got out of college, I went through my first yoga teacher training. And that's when I really dived into the formal studies of mindfulness and movement and fell in love with it. I had been practicing it on my own for like 13 years, but I had never done it in a group setting. Um, and as soon as I graduated teacher training, I just dove like head first into teaching and I've been teaching full time for 10 years. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up where I'm, where I'm at. Um, yeah. So a love for movement and a love for the outdoors. I love so much about how it was like a family affair going out mm -hmm. and exploring and the tough love that you kind of got to like, okay, well, this is what we're doing. We're doing it as a family and we're going to work through this together. And for you at a young age to recognize, well, I'm not feeling great about this, what's going on and finding ways to work through it using breath work and using meditation. And when, you know, you were searching on the internet did, were you just like finding different types of breath that you could just do when you were in those situations or were those things that you were integrating in like day-to-day -day life? So initially it was just in the back country when I was experiencing like a lot of anxiety or panic, um, because I was the youngest, I was always the last, right? So all my brothers and my dad would be in front and I would be in the back with my mom, my poor mom. And, I would have anxiety, but I knew that I had to keep going. And so when I would have those moments of like panic or like my palms are sweaty, I can focus. Like my breathing is shallow. Like I knew I needed to stop and do deep breathing. And the first breathing technique that I really got into is some of Riti breathing where it's an equal inhale to exhale. So it's just equal length breath. And mm -hmm. it's um, now, you know, everyone's like, it's hacking your nervous system. Like it's really popular now, but it stimulates the vagus nerve. So it mm. is a signal to your nervous system that you're safe. Um, so that was the first breathing technique that really helped me. And when I like felt the benefits of that, then it became more intrigued and like researching mindfulness and breathing techniques and yoga then was a lot different 
different. Like it was hard to find. <laughs> so yeah. I actually, um, I had a big three ring binder and I would print out everything. And then it was my little mindfulness binder that I got. I love that. It, when you were talking about the modem thing, I was having like flashbacks when you'd be like, mom, get off the phone. I'm going to go on AIM, like get off the yeah. phone. And then yeah, you're like, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I was like chatting while I was researching, you know, on my four aim screen names. Cause you can't just have one. No, no. But <laughs> it's like, as you were talking, it's like the things that we had to go through that kids will never know. Kids will never know scratch DVDs, yeah. all those things. But what yeah. is so cool to hear is how you started to like implement this practice into your life at such a young age. And as you were talking about you had this anxiety, but you knew you had to keep going. I think that translates, well, definitely translates over into life. Like we have anxiety or we feel stressed or whatever it is that we're experiencing. Oftentimes we have to find a way to move through it. And you were kind of faced with that at an early age. How do you feel that's, or like, what do you feel that's taught you as you got older? Um, yeah, I love that question. So I actually wrote, I, um, wrote this whole article about how I grew up a few years ago, probably like seven years ago time. What is time? Um, and about how I remember my very first backpack. So you backpacked for the first time at five years old in my family. And when you backpacked, you had a backpack full of your clothes. And then the youngest always got all the toilet paper. So you had like the lightest backpack, right? There was no food, no sleeping bag, no tent. So you just had your clothes and toilet paper. And the first backpack that I did was only like three miles. So it wasn't bad. Um, but then the second backpack, I think my parents wanted to see what I could do. So they, they had us do a, a seven mile backpack and I was five years old and I have just like very vivid memories of sitting on the trail and crying and just being like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to go. And my mom just being like, okay, well, we'll see you in six days. And then she would keep walking. <laughs> and she swears that she only waited like around the bend. But to me, it felt like she had abandoned me. And it's so funny when that would happen. It's like all of a sudden I could hear every sound around me, you know, like the forest sounds bigger and it sounds scarier and you hear animals everywhere. And it was just like, I remember as a five-year-old sitting there and I was like, I have to stand up and I have to put one foot in front of the other. Like there is no choice. And that was one thing my mom would always say, just put one foot in front of the other, just put one foot in front of the other. And it's like, that's what I have to do. Um, and that's translated to, uh, I mean, my daily life and honestly, my career, like any time that I was going through something really hard, I always reconnected with that, put one foot in front of the other and make it like bite-sized pieces. Like if you're dealing with something challenging, focus on like, what's your one foot in front of the other in this instance? Like what is something you can focus on that's tangible and like, you can do instead of getting lost in like the bigger, bigger idea of like, it's big, it's scary. It's a long hike. It's like, no, you just, you just need to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's why I think why I created my own major 
and I ended up creating my own career now. I mean, in my family, three out of the five of us are entrepreneurs and the other two are a doctor and a lawyer. So we, (laughs) um, I think that we have chosen a really particular way to exist and it's all tied back to the way that we are raised. I love that story. And I love hearing about, it's almost like, so at five, you're initiated into the family, into the backpacking. And for me, like I got to experience that nature hike and like you shared with all of us things that you've grown to learn and help us to see just the beauty in nature when we went on the hike where we just literally were observing with our senses mm-hmm. and it's like hearing your story and knowing more about like what led you to have this love and this deep connection to nature is really eye-opening and so cool and I think it's a great reminder to all of us the power of just like getting out into the outdoors and like as you were giving that visual of you as a five-year-old and just being able to hear everything around you. It's a really immersive experience. And it took me back to the walk that we did, the hike that we did up North of just like walking in silence and being in silence and taking in the things around you. And for me, that experience and hearing you talk, they, they seem very similar in a sense. It taught me to see that there is an opportunity for me to do that in the day-to-day. Like we can so often feel like everything is clouded or there's a ton of things going on and it feels like it's hard to turn off. But if we're able to like step back and give ourselves a little bit of silence, sometimes that can be enough to like get clear and to like see that there is a path ahead and to keep going and to take that next step. And I don't know, I'm curious to hear from you what ways being like, put right into that backpacking experience and out into the outdoors outside of like feeling that mindset of like, okay, I can do this. Keep one foot in the other. What other lessons did you learn that you've taken with you along the way? Oh my gosh. From the backpacking trips. (laughs) I mean, lessons and stories, lessons. I think the biggest, the biggest thing is being self-sufficient. Like that was the biggest lesson is you get what you put in, um, and mindset. Like there were a few people who would come on our trips and they would complain the whole time. Cause backpacking trips aren't glamorous, right? You're sleeping on the ground. It's raining. It's cold. You're usually eating like pretty subpar food. Um, but if you have a positive mindset about it and really immerse yourself in the natural environment around you, there's nothing quite like it. <clears throat> and that's what I love what you said about going on that forest bathing meditation was how you kind of immerse yourself in the environment around you and found those moments of silence. So those moments of silence are really rare. I just listened to this interview with an audiologist last week who said that silence isn't the lack of sound, but it's the lack of noise. Mm. And I really loved that. And the trips that we took into the mountains and into the outdoors were these amazing experiences of silence, right? Of taking the noise of daily life and the noise of existing as a human now, especially in a city. Um, 
and having respite from that. And I had that in my life consistently every single summer. And I didn't understand how rare that was until I became an adult. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons that I started a space between is I wanted to create an environment and experience for people to be able to have those experiences I've had from a very, very young age. Um, and yeah, it just is more and more not happening. You know, we're not really going out into nature and existing in nature in a respectful way. I mean, national parks and I don't know, parks over the world are more packed than ever, but it's people taking videos and selfies and it's not the same. (laughs) Not actually immersing themselves. We were, what were we just talking about? I was talking with someone about, you know, you're either going out and you're hiking and truly getting out into nature and exploring, or you're the person that drives to the lookout, takes the picture and gets back in your car. And there's a difference. You're not actually getting to experience what you're seeing. And I've come to love getting to be out in the outdoors a lot more. Like when Jenna was sending me, Hey, we have to go on this. I was like, yes, this is amazing. I, any opportunity that I can do something new, connect with people, but there's just something that I've learned, especially in the last few years, the power that nature has on us. And even like, if you can get outside the last few weeks have not, I've not been good about it because it's been like negative 15, but like today I was like, I need to go outside. It's 25 and getting yourself outdoors and just actually like allowing yourself to see and observe what's around you. It's this sense of like calm and peace that you really can't even describe. You can only feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important. Like if you're going to go out and be out in the outdoors, like truly go out and be in it. Don't just be someone that shows up, takes the picture and carries on, like go out and like immerse yourself in it and reap the benefits that nature has to offer you. Yeah. I, two, two thoughts on that. One, I'm I was in Utah. Do you know Bryce Canyon? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Bryce, like absolutely phenomenal. It looks like you're on Mars. Like it's so wild. And I was there with one of my really close friends who at the time was living in her sprinter. So she picked me up in Vegas and then we drove around Utah and slept in the sprinter and hiked and climbed all day. And we started this hike at Bryce and there was this group of young, like a little bit younger humans at the beginning of the trailhead, taking a bunch of pictures. And they asked us to take a bunch of pictures of them. And then after they were done with the pictures, they were like, oh, well, we just go back to the cars now. We have the photos anyways. We don't need to do the hike. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's pain. It hurts me. <laughs> it physically hurts me to hear that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the, like, the second thing is it is, is, have you ever heard of the vagus nerve? Do you know the vagus nerve in your body? Um, it like connects your head to your hips and it's when you like increase vagal tone or you activate the parasympathetic nervous system. It's soothing, right? It's soothing. It's a natural stress relief. And it's something in the mindfulness community we've been researching a lot is the vagus nerve and what increases vagal tone. And especially with the rises in anxiety and depression, like the direct anecdote physically for that is stimulating the vagus nerve. 
And going into the outdoors is one of the biggest things that stimulates the vagus nerve. Like it's one of the biggest things that's self-soothing and it calms your nervous system. Um, so there's a lot of like studies going on around that, but I think it's something that we just really, really need and people aren't given the tools to do it. And I was lucky enough to get the tools from my parents, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. How do we help people to realize like there is this thing right outside your door. It's free to you to go out and do, you don't have to travel to get out into nature. And I think sometimes we can be like, I feel like a lot of times we hear, well, I don't live near anything that's that exciting of nature. And it's like, well, actually just like getting outdoors doesn't have to be this beautiful hike. It could be just like a simple walk. And how do we help more people? Especially I feel like right now we're still two years into a pandemic taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself is more important now than ever. And it's something that's available at every single person's doorstep. So how do we help them to see that and to understand the benefits that they're going to receive? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is like, get to know the parks in your area. Like I know, I know Minneapolis and St. Paul really well, cause this is where I've grown up. And one of my girlfriends, the one who actually lived in the sprinter, um, we made a goal of one Saturday a month, we would go out and visit a park or an area that we had never been to before. And if you're in Minneapolis, or St. Paul, like we have in the city limits, we have a ton. Like there are so many tiny little areas you can go to. Like Theo Worth, if you're in Minneapolis, is a gem. Like it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's technically, I think, in Golden Valley, but it's literally just north of downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are so many good little pockets. And like my most previous partner lived, grew up in Woodbury and Afton State Park is right there. And I remember I took him out there and he grew up like 10 minutes or 15 minutes away from Afton State Park, but he'd never been there. And so he was like blown away that like there was these huge rolling hills next to the river and hundreds of miles of trails. Um, So the best thing you can do is acquaint yourself like a Google search, or there are so many apps now that are like park service apps. Mm -hmm. Just download that, plug in your location and it'll pull up a bunch of parks and hikes near you. Um, and getting out there, like maybe making a goal of, Hey, like I want to try walking once a month or once a week, um, and taking yourself outside. Cause like you said, in the pandemic specifically, it's really easy to feel trapped inside your house and never really leave. So being intentional about getting outside is like key for mental health. Mm-hmm. What? like what are the main benefits that people are going to receive just by getting out into the outdoors? Um, yeah, the, the, the biggest number one main benefit is that stimulating of the vagus nerve. Like it's this natural de-stressor. Um, so you naturally are going to be more grounded. It helps to relieve anxiety and depression. So it is just like, a it's a mood booster, right. Mm -hmm. To get outside. Um, two, obviously it's physical, physical activity and physical activity always helps. Um, and three, it helps build your problem solving skills, which maybe sounds a little bit goofy Mm -hmm. to say. Um, but when you're 
going out on a trail or going out into nature, you are making a series of decisions. Um, so it helps you to hone your problem solving skills and your decision making skills, which we're learning more and more. I'm doing a lot of um, trauma informed therapy now and working on your decision making skills is something really impactful for people who have experienced trauma in their life. Um, so it does help kind of sharpen and hone those skills as well. I love that. And I think it's just like such a good reminder that we have this tool right outside that we can go and explore around us. And we're going to see a lot of benefits when you were sharing kind of when you were sharing about your story, about some of the things that you learned and how it kind of, it taught you to be self-sufficient and you get what you put in. Is that helped you as you've navigated being an entrepreneur and, you know, being your own boss and now launching retreats and navigating like all these new things that you're starting to offer? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was, I don't know if you know this Al Newharth quote that says the only difference between a mountain and a molehill is your perspective. Mm. Um, and I had that written in my calendar when I was in college in huge letters, cause it just helped, help me keep grounded and I, or help me stay grounded. And I, I, to me, it's like the same vein as putting one foot in front of the other. Um, but Yeah, it definitely has helped me in being an entrepreneur. I was just talking with my dad a few nights ago how when you work for yourself, um, you need to be a self-starter and you need to be really self-sufficient because it is really easy. I mean, no one dictates your schedule besides you, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, I know that I'm a creature of habit and I need structure. So I have my schedule really, really structured from the time that I wake up at, you know, six 30 or seven to the time that I go to bed. And I don't think that I would have had those same skills if I didn't grow up going outdoors and honing them the way that we did when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know, I, I know that I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have been able to create my own major. Um, yeah. So it, definitely helped me with that for sure. <laughs> what have been some, that's okay. What have some of the challenges been that you've faced as you've navigated being an entrepreneur and starting to now create offerings and retreats? And I love what you shared about how you recognized how rare the experiences you had as a child were for other people. And that was part of the catalyst to wanting to start a space between But as you've navigated creating this new part of your business, what have been some of the challenges that you faced and how did you work through those? Oh man, honestly, the biggest challenge is getting people to respond, (laughs) like getting retreat venues. And there are so many moving parts, like getting the retreat venues and the restaurants in the area and any third-party vendors that I'm utilizing, like getting timely responses from all of the moving parts that are behind the scenes for any event or any retreat, that for my brain is the hardest part. Like the easiest part for me is showing up and leading the retreat. Like that I can do hands down, no problem. Like that feels second nature to me, but it's the bad, the eight months of 
talking to cafes, talking to restaurants, tracking to the retreat venue. Is there going to be camping on site? Can people rent camps? Are there showers? Is there food? Is there this? Is there that? Like that's the piece where it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) sometimes you can get um, kind of lost in and um, good communicators aren't always the people that you're going to be working with. So having grace for other people that maybe it takes them three weeks to respond to an email mm-hmm. and you have absolutely no control over that. <laughs> like, I yeah. understand that it's hard because I mean, we, we all work and operate in different ways. And I loved getting to be a part of the retreat that you held this fall. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what did you learn from that experience and what, like, what were the takeaways that you walked away with when you were like able to look back and be like, hell yeah, like I created this retreat for these humans to come together, to connect, to grow, to learn. And looking back on it, what did you learn? And what was like one of your favorite parts about being the leader and facilitating that retreat and offering? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the thing that I love the most, um, was the community that was created. I mean, the, the people who showed up were phenomenal and all of you connected in a really sweet way. And it was people from like literally all walks of my life and then total strangers from the internet that I had never met before. Mm-hmm. And putting all of those people in a space together for 72 hours can go well or it can go terribly. (laughs) Like (laughs) you never know how that's going to go. So I was really, really blown away by the community that was created and how sweet it was to watch everybody connect. Like that was awesome. Um, my biggest learning point was the first day that forest bathing meditation. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you had a good experience. Cause to me, that was like, that was a dumpster fire. (laughs) I loved it. it, Yeah, that was good. It was, um, I was really nervous before because it was the first retreat I've ever done. And I'm just a high anxiety person. So nerves are always going to be a thing for me. So I was really nervous. So I just like, didn't introduce it very well. And then I didn't give a clear, cause in my brain, because I've spent so much time outdoors, what I was saying made sense, but what I conveyed did not make sense because people didn't stop where I told them to stop and kept walking. So then I had people just like way off in the woods and I had no idea how I was going to find them. And then people who had already turned around and like everyone scattered in between. I don't know if you remember this, but I was like running up and down the cliffs next to the river, just yelling if you were on the retreat to turn around. <laughs> I, I did not hear that, but I, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was so bad. I was just yelling up the river, like, if you're on a space, between, turn <laughs> around and come back. And people were hiking past me, like, what is going on? Um, so that was a good, like, good for me to know I have to be like really clear with my language. And if there is a stop and turn around point, just waiting there. Cause I waited on top of the staircase and the turnaround point was at the bottom of the staircase, but everyone just kept going. <laughs> I was a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's I just had like go flash forward to like all of this sudden midnight still missing attendees. I was like, this is not how I go down. <laughs> but we all made it back. We all made it back to you safe and sound. And it was it ended up being okay. It ended when, up being great. When you look back on the different experiences that have shaped you, I know you started with the backpacking and you shared that you lived in the UK and there's different parts of your story that have led you to where you are today. What do you feel has been the most pivotal points in your life to get you to this exact moment? It's a good question. Um, I think like the most pivotal points to get me to where I'm at. Um, when I think about those, I think like for any of us, right. You're like high school graduation, college graduation, like those were pretty pivotal. Um, but for me, one of the most pivotal points was when we did a backpacking trip way up in Canada. And I think it was actually the last time my dad backpacked and it was like the year before I graduated from college. And I was very, didn't really know what I was doing with my life as an arts major. Um, and that time up in nature, right. That time with like silence mm -hmm. of taking the busyness of day-to-day -day life out of it, um, gave me an opportunity to get to know myself again, really well, which I hadn't had for, I hadn't been back in the back country for like five or six years. Um, and at that point I was like, undeclared. I was three years in at the U and the U is a huge school, right? So I hadn't met with an advisor since I was a freshman and I was just kind of floating, taking classes that I thought were cool, like monsters, robots, and cyborgs. Um, <laughs> I didn't know they had that. And yeah, actually really interesting class, <laughs> but you like watch movies, um, about monsters, robots, and cyborgs. And then afterwards you learn how the monster in the movie was depicted of like what society was scared of at that time. Stuff that I find really interesting, but like, it's not going to build a career. It just exercises your brain, which is great. But anyways, I came home from that backpacking trip and I declared a major and basically triple majored and got it all done in a year and still graduated in four years. So that backpacking trip and like getting time away and getting time with my family, um, helped me to refocus. So that was a big turning point. Um, and like, it's maybe a little depressed. Well, it's not maybe a little depressing, but my older brother, um, passed away of colon cancer when I was in 2018, when I was 30. And that was a huge turning point for me. And that's when I started to, I had always been kind of um, an independent contractor at a couple different studios, you know, as you do in movement and fitness. And because of that, I was able to move my schedule around to be his main caretaker for the two years that he was sick. So I was kind of in and out of the hospitals with him a lot. And I would drive him to chemotherapy every other day or every other Tuesday. And then he passed away in May of 2018 and losing him, um, to cancer so young was a huge moment for me. And I know my siblings of choosing to do what we love and choosing to exist in a really deliberate and different way. And 
for most of us, it was starting our own businesses and brands and working for ourselves and really going after what we felt we were put here to do. Um, so that was honestly one of the biggest turning points for me. So that's when I started fully working for myself and fully working on kind of what my brand would look like. Um, and it was when the seeds were planted to like move from like, yes, mindfulness and movement are, and always will be a huge part of what I do, but how can I start to integrate the outdoors and providing these experience for people into my career as well? I think just like listening to your story and getting to know more about what shaped you, you know, taking that opportunity to go backpacking with your family and get away and that that being like the thing that you needed to allow yourself to get reconnected with who you were Mm -hmm. and then learning about your brother and using that as something to reflect it sounds like and recognize well wait is is this how I want to be showing up in the world and having it be a catalyst to step forward and take those next steps in your business and in your brand and go after the things that feel really aligned and true to who you are outside of just movement and mindfulness and getting to be a part of that first experience you created is really cool, especially as I come to learn more about your story. And I think anyone that gets to cross your path or gets to be a part of your experiences it's really powerful to hear your why. Like, it wasn't just like, I want to be outdoors with a bunch of people. It's like, I want to do this because I got to experience this and see the power in being outdoors, in connecting people, in mindfulness. And it's like you taking an experience that is so, such a big part of your life. And then like you said, cultivating and creating that for others. And I, mm-hmm. I, I thank you for that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for, for being on the, the first retreat. And that um, every one of the, when I was building this kind of retreat company, um, I am super intentional about like every location that I've chosen have been there are places that I've had really powerful experiences in that have formed how I exist as a human Mm -hmm. so like Grand Marais has a we would go up to Grand Marais every single winter wild so we would go up to Grand Marais every winter and my dad would put cross-country skis on us and we wouldn't just ski for a few miles he would make us do like 20 plus cross-country ski days oh my gosh (laughs) Your hip, my hip flexors hurt for you. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Um, but that was really formative for me. So it's like Grand Marais is huge. And then I'm planning this retreat down in Arco Santi, Arizona, which this um, amazing town called Arco Santi is basically where I decided to work for myself mm-hmm. um, fully. And it is awesome. So, and I will be expanding up to the Canadian Rockies, but it is like, I'm grateful for you saying that, um, about your experience on the retreat. And that is, I'm very specific about where we go because I have had experiences places, I think that are really rare. And I want to 
be able to recreate that for more people. Mm. That's amazing. And I love that. And I think having like a strong why and what you're doing is going to be so, so beneficial because if you don't have like a strong why, you can easily get lost in the chaos of life. But when you're able to have something to be like that North Star and to guide you, it is going to be so huge as you create more and more of these experiences for people. Yeah. And like being an entrepreneur, if you don't have a strong why, I don't know how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is not easy. Um, So yeah, you need like a strong desire to do what you're doing. Otherwise it's, it's a grind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nina, this has been so awesome. And I've loved getting to hear more about you and the creation for what you're doing and the experiences. And as we were just talking about the why behind each and everything that you offer, my last question for you is what is the ripple that you want to create? Oh, the ripple that I want to create. Um, So the, the, idea behind the brand name is space between is that in every yoga class in every meditation and every guided hike and every experience with it, you get to experience a moment of having a space between yourself and your daily life, right? Mm-hmm. Taking that pause, that silence, the absence of the noise of life. And in that space, you are given an opportunity to get to know yourself better and fall more deeply in love with who you are. And then hand in hand with that, you get to the know the natural environment better and get to fall in love with the natural world around us more and more. And that, that is the ripple that I want to create um, and hopefully will with these experiences. Mm, that's beautiful. And I think, I mean, you definitely are doing that. I got to experience that on the retreat and I, I just, everything about what you're doing is so intentional, every little part of it. And I think that there is so much power to this space, a space between that you're creating in your classes and the offerings. And I love even just learning more about like why you're selecting the locations that you are, um, it makes what you're doing so unique compared to other things that are being offered in the world. And so I'm so thankful for you coming on to the podcast today. And I guess my true last question is where can my listeners find you? Yeah. So you can find me at ninacolor.com is the easiest thing. If you go to website still, so it's a nice landing page and all the retreats. And then I have a full virtual studio that blends on demand and live classes and all the information for that is on there as well. Um, and then I'm Chris Nina Kohler on Instagram because my real name is Christina and I have friends who have known me my entire life who still don't actually know that fun fact about me. <laughs> I've always wondered that. I've always wondered. <laughs> now I know. Because I did have the handle Nina Kohler. And then like, I don't know if I should say this. Well, I used, I used to hang out with a lot of graffiti writers and I used to tag Ninja when they would all be doing their painting 
at late nights. And so one night I thought it'd be funny to change my handle to Ninja Kohler on Instagram. And I lost Nina Kohler and I could never get it back. <laughs> no, I know. So anyways, now I'm Chris Nina Kohler on um, Instagram. <laughs> so those would be the two. And then it's between um, has an Instagram as well. And I will link all of this in the show notes. And thanks again, Nina, for coming on. Until next time, let's go out and start creating ripples. 